0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sebastian Show. I am super excited for our next guest, Soul Architect Jasenia. Uh, you can follow her on Facebook or Instagram, uh, but she has a very particular talent that I think is very needed in this day and age. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Talk about uh, her background, her story, where she's coming from, and uh, what she is doing now. So I think you all will enjoy this. Look forward to hearing back from you. All right, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You and I have gotten to know each other, I think over the last nine, 10 months, at least in this lifetime. And it's been um, really cool to be able to connect with you and and talk about what's going on in the world and and seeing things through a very particular lens that I think more and more people are waking up to, which is you're able to operate in a non-linear world where you're, you're able to see things through the lens of spirit, not just the physical world. Um, which for a lot of people even hearing that now is like, what in the fuck? Uh, for those of us who are stuck in linear thinking, but more and more people are waking up to, or I would say remembering who they are and in doing so beginning to become more drawn into understanding spirit and understanding that we're spiritual beings. And uh, from our conversation, getting to know you, this was a journey for you in this lifetime. Right? It, it wasn't something, although you may say, and I'm excited to hear more from you on this, but Maybe there were inklings or things that happened to you through childhood or, or early adulthood that kind of pulled on you. It was, you know, once you got into adulthood that these things really come came alive. So first of all, I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are, what you do um, very directly, and then I would love to get into your, your story a bit.
1: I, <laughs> I read a lot of things, but I think that the basis of all of that is access to the Akashic realm and Akashic records, which are what we would see as soul records. So we can see kind of like the origin of energy, whatever that is, you know, so that happens with the birth of soul groups and then the recycling of soul groups and the integration of that energy on earth and, and how that kind of surfaces in people as patterns or past lives, or gifts, or spirit guides, or whatever agreements and contracts we kind of came into the earth with. And then we do do a very, practic- it is very practical. I think that's, that's a really interesting like division people try to make, that they assume that spirit is supposed to be all of this really ungrounded information that they can't do shit with. And if you can't do anything with it, then you're not accessing it correctly. So it's incredibly practical. You know, I help people Um, connect to their relationships better, their family members, their lives, their goals, their plans, whatever it is that they're trying to do. And um, I've noticed that with the access of the records and the past life stuff that really everything we want is on the other side of healing. So it helps Mm. us manifest better. It helps us be more successful. It helps us be better people if we are healing the layers to our existence first and then presenting ourselves with that, that energy.
0: As a whole person. Yes. Integrated. So you you use the word Akashic Record, and some people would certainly know what that means. And you gave a brief explanation, but I'd like to lean into that a little bit more. How would you, in a full expression for somebody who has no understanding of it, how would you express what the Akashic Record is?
1: So the Akashic Realm is a whole entire amazing place where pretty much every single soul who wants to come into Earth would pass through. So we do life planning there. Um, We meet up with family members. If you've ever had a dream where you're like in a weird building and all of your family members and ancestors show up, that is the Akashic Realm. Those are like what we call meeting centers. So you can meet with your loved ones that have crossed over and sometimes they give you really valuable messages. Sometimes they're telling you about babies coming into the family. They (laughs) give you like all these cool updates and stuff. Um, That's the Akashic realm. We go there to study with ascended masters. So it's like a college too. Everybody on earth has an ascended master they study under. So it kind of um, decides your theme and how you present yourself. Um, A good example of that would be like Archangel Metatron often works with business people and Mm -hmm. science and math. So if if you find yourself really drawn to that particular element, you're likely working under... Archangel Metatron, um, and so the realm has a lot of really amazing things. It's it's huge. It's I mean it's really unfathomable, like how large it is and what goes on there. There's billions of souls involved in one life, planning one life. So they all kind of reside in the realm. We do astrology planning, life planning. Um, you choose your spirit guides. You contract your guides. You kind of wear your you would choose through your genetic makeup, your body type, and then you go into like a simulation where you start wearing that body type to get accustomed to it. And we do have situations where people like drop in an emergency and, and that actually can great create body dysmorphia because they've, they didn't take time to acclimate to like their you know their meat suit, like you say. So it's a really, really interesting, very diverse realm in general. But one of the most important things about the realm, I would say, is the records. And the records are incredibly guarded, and I like to say this because I think a lot of people think that they can just walk into this infinite database of soul and spirit and creation and just like fuck shit up, and that it's just going to be allowed. It is literally the most guarded thing in all of creation, because if you think about, you know, it has the receipts of creation, right? If you want to know where a soul group was from, or. How they, every single life is there, every story is there, every experience is there. And we use that because it really is almost like a backup database. So it is very protected. If something happens, we have to go and access it through the realm. Um, So it does take a certain level of purity and respect to be present in the realm. Um, Because if you do have bad intentions, your ass gets kicked out real fast. You can't access records. There's a whole like honor code that goes into it. You can't access records with bad intention, without permission. You can't pry in people's lives. But one thing we all have the ability to do, which I think is really important, is we all have the ability to access our higher self in our own database. So nobody has to give you permission to access your own past lives or who you are. The problem with that is most of us don't know how to.
0: Okay. We're going to come to that in a second. Brilliant. But just to condense what you're saying... The Akashic realm, we could look at as a massive university where we pick our, our, our teachers. We also, in, in one sense, would pick our classes or the things we want to learn in schoolyard earth. It's also a place where we get to meet our loved ones who are not currently in uh, earth or on, in the three-dimensional, dimension, third third-dimensional part of earth. Um, and the Akashic record is held there, which is... Really a backup hard drive for everything that has ever happened on earth.
1: And Other all places. of creation. And all of yeah. creation.
0: Okay. So for some people, that's already a what in the fuck. <laughs> it's a lot. Which is rad, right? <laughs> for those to stay with us, you'll get more of those uh, what the fuck moments as we go. Um, for those who are willing to hear this, they'll be willing to hear this. For those who aren't, you can tune this one out. Um, second part, really important. It's heavily guarded, heavily protected. And uh, for obvious reasons, but at no time are you unable to access your higher self. Okay. So we're using words that for some people are going to be like, okay, what the hell is the higher self? So what is higher self and what do you mean by accessing it? And then in this world, why would that be useful?
1: So very basically put, it's just the difference between your subconscious mind and conscious mind. And when we talk about the subconscious mind, it is where we understand things outside of our just kind of like conscious processing and information so what we find is that when we are able to connect to that database we are able to kind of tap into all of our past life wisdom and there's a whole bunch of studies done on this so if you're a skeptic i mean it's as easy as google educate yourself there's millions of studies done on past life integration and healing and the power of that um, w- there are people who, uh, speak completely different languages and don't understand it. There are people who learn a whole entire, like a whole entire thing. There was someone, uh, one of my s- clients all of a sudden started knowing herbs and herbology just mm-hmm. coming out of a session because we were integrating the life. So now they had all of this wisdom and all this information. So the purpose of it, um, I would say that we don't like seek without purpose. W- many of us currently on earth have anywhere from 300 to 700 lives. So when I'm working with someone, I'm not trying to pull up like the life where you were a cat mom and you were happy and you just like hung out with your cats. My goal is to go into the lives that created the most damage. And in creating and going into these layers, we can heal some of the most traumatic experiences you've had on earth and therefore relieve people of incredible blocks. So these are like fears, phobias, um, just, just blocks sometimes they didn't even know they had. Um, Like, for example, if if you've never been able to receive money, if you've never been able to receive affection, if you have relationship problems that you just don't freaking understand that don't seem really valid in this experience where you're just like, oh, how do I keep falling into this pattern? Um, People don't tell me anything about themselves. When I start a session is name, date, birthday and birthplace. That's it. So to pull up all of this information that very directly correlates with all of their experiences and thought processes and blocks and then have it all really be super validating and seeing like, oh, that's why I am the way that I am, I think is really fascinating for a lot of people. It's, it's a really incredible journey of like self-discovery.
0: Okay, so higher self, you would describe in in linear terms what we would use in psychology as it's your soul, but you use the word subconscious, right? And it's right. And there is practical work that can be done here. And it's a practical technology of being able to tap into, as you would say, your higher self that has uh, a broader or a breadth of knowledge that can be useful. It sees the bigger picture. So in what scenarios would you want to tap into your higher self? Why is that a useful thing to learn?
1: Gosh, I use it all the time. I use it for everything. Um, And I have people like, I just... Sometimes I walk around earth and I'm like, you guys just doing stuff with no intuition, no guidance, like nothing. No wonder everything sucks. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it has a million really practical things. I think so. I help. what I see in other people, I guess, is that their relationships get more meaningful. They have a lot less anxiety, a lot less depression. Um, They understand their purpose and therefore can actively kind of move forward in life. You know, when you know where you're going and who you are, I think it's a lot easier yeah, to just put that foot forward and kind of like just authentically show up in the world which is huge for a lot of people um, but any type of question I used to ask it where I like I used to ask my guides where I would go eat dinner <laughs> what I wanted what my body needed what was healthy what wasn't healthy if relationships were not great for me um, if they have guidance for stuff when I lose things <laughs> I'm like where would I put that thing and they tell me I use it all the time I find like it I have people who use it for business, who use it for sales, who use it just to connect with others, use it to just have better relationships. Um, A lot of people right now are actually on earth to deliver really amazing things they've been working on for lifetimes. And what I'm calling these are like new modalities for the soul's expression on earth. And what we're finding is it's actually really complicated and we're having these beautiful like modalities be birthed all over the earth and Like, for example, one of them was frequency healing through the emotional code. And I'm helping a client kind of master that and implement that and see what she's here to do. Uh, But there's a lot of really amazing things we could do with it. Like, you could become a better salesperson or you could develop a whole entire modality around it for, for the earth, right, to heal.
0: So you're accessing information that gives you a better understanding of the world that you're in from a higher perspective.
1: Well, it's what other people call their guidebook, right? Everybody likes to say this. Everybody's like, oh, well, wouldn't it be great if we had a guidebook? Wouldn't it be great if we had directions? We do. A manual. We do. Right. We do. It's it's your higher self. It's your team. It's your guides. And when you learn to listen to them, you can be very proactive. So they are telling you the things that are going to happen before it happens. So you can be proactive. So there's a lot less problems.
0: And we are seeing a theme, but this, this idea of integrated knowledge and people are starting to collapse lifetimes into back into one being and, and, and this is you're hearing this more and more but for the people who are skeptical right now what are experiences that they've likely had in their lifetime where that was likely a synchronicity uh, a higher self uh, a master or their guides trying to support them So especially for the religious folk, there's a lot of people in the religious community, especially in the Christian community, but most of the religious folk, that parts of this are going to freak them the fuck out. And they would use different terms. Some might use Holy Spirit, and that might help them get around some of this because that's ultimately the role of what the Holy Spirit does. But what are practical things that people can do to go, okay, I think I'm understanding what you're talking about?
1: Well, um, just the fact that we know things we shouldn't know like when somebody's going to call you or when somebody you love is hurt or when you get a gut feeling that says, don't do that. Um, I, I like to call it our Jiminy cricket Mm -hmm. because a lot of people recognize that voice, but they won't call it intuition. It's the same thing. Um, if we have a lot of trauma and we have a lot of blocks, sometimes that voice becomes really toxic and abusive and therefore we have to heal that first. And then our, you know, our Jiminy cricket gets louder. But we feel it in our bodies all the time. If you're walking into a place and you get like, you know, your body starts reacting and you get nervous and you feel like you're going to vomit. Hey, it's like, don't go there, right? That's not good for you. Your body's telling you, your energy's telling you, you didn't know that. Nobody told you that physically, you felt it. Um, The way we're drawn to people, the way we um, know when like loved ones are going to message us or call us, our dreams. I mean, I, I think it's almost funny that people have a hard time believing in spirit when it's the oldest belief system on earth, <laughs> it just yeah. it kind of, you know, it funds everything. <laughs> so
0: I'm with you. I, I, I also find it uh, somewhat shocking, but, um, but common, at least in the Western world. So you, you kind of went back to this and I want to, I want to circle back around. Part of what we're talking about here is this idea of lifetimes. It's one life, you're one being, but expressed through multiple lifetimes. Um, and we learn different lessons. I like to explain it like every every time we drop in to Schoolyard Earth, we're here to learn particular lessons, to experience particular things. And the full expression of soul you're, will be eventually integrated back into one particular lifetime, but it, we could call it the elongated now, this experience of incarnation over and over and over again, um, which is now getting easier and easier for people to get their head around as they're hearing more stories like what you've, what you said and many of them have been validated where young kids come in speaking multiple languages, right? Some of them dead languages. I've I just recently read a story about a six-year-old kid boy um, who kept talking about friends with a, a level of clarity that the mother just could not understand and then saw a picture of a world war II vessel that he was on Knew the name of everybody on that vessel and was naming them without anybody telling him, and what happened to that vessel, right? And there was, there's no explanation for how a six-year-old kid could know everybody that was in that picture and what happened before and after the history of that. Uh, those are all indications of life integration. Then would you say it's like you're remembering other lifetimes?
1: So you know, it's really interesting. Um, a lot of people just take this kind of thing for granted. That's that's a really like obvious example I would say but right. I think the <laughs> less the less obvious example is feelings a lot of people would be like oh I've always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon I don't know anything about it I've never been there like I don't my family's never yeah. been there I'm not I don't know I, just always, I just always wanted to go always wanted to go every yep. emotion we have whether it be negative or positive is reflective of an experience we've had on earth every single one so when you're sitting there and you're struggling validating your feelings or your pull or your draw, that's your soul coming through saying like, we want that. We want that experience. We were there. We need a memory. We have a fragment. We have something that needs to be healed or cleared there. There's something for you there, or there's something for you to heal because you get the fear and the phobia and the terror. And a lot of people struggle with that because they, they invalidate their own mm. experiences and then run away from it. And they're like, oh, it's all fake.
0: So I want to come back to something you said that we can back test immediately. You said your feelings are a result of your experiences. Okay, well, if somebody's like, okay, lifetimes maybe. We know this, is backtest this in this current lifetime. When you have an emotional response to something, it's tied to a memory or an experience,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? That's, that's, and that's usually the work is like, why do I have an emotional response to this? So it shouldn't be that hard of a jump to think.
1: actually psychology. <laughs>
0: right, like not hard of a jump to go, okay, well, if I don't have a functional working memory of this, Potentially, this is coming through on multiple lifetimes That's the reason why I have an energetic or emotional response to this that I cannot explain or in the this fact lifetime that We
1: don't dig into it because we just disregard it immediately right We just think like turn it off I'm crazy. there's no reason for me to feel that I'm just gonna you know continue that behavior and yes. consider it a characteristic of my personality. Yes so a lot of us feel those things and just don't recognize them as and actually, I would say, like, there's, there's this whole thing that I, I train in people, and it's emotional mapping, that if we're really careful and aware of what we feel in different areas, it can actually lead us into, you know, our spirit and soul and self. So it's a map if we're careful. But most humans do this thing where we avoid and repress everything we feel, <laughs> and then that becomes a problem. Right,
0: right. Uh, uh, Brian Weiss, I think I be- his name, wrote a book called Many Lives, Many Masters, in which he recorded sessions with a woman um, that was jumping through lifetimes and at the time he wasn't really a believer a subscriber to the idea of incarnation or reincarnation he just was doing psychotherapy and felt like he was walking her through a process then he began to realize the the way she was describing these lifetimes and the way that she was dropping back into them there was no way this was fictional there was no way she was making this stuff up and then he began to validate Historically validate some of her experiences. He wrote a book called many lives many masters for those who are listening that are interested in this idea of reincarnation Also from a biblical standpoint for the Christian people that may be listening to this that are rolling their eyes at the idea of Reincarnation and, and this idea of spirituality separate from religion. It is in the Bible <laughs> many times uh, Which is really fascinating so you can turn to? Um, I believe it's second Kings is, is where I think you're gonna find this one in which Saul is incredibly frustrated uh, God has removed Himself from from hearing him after he did not obey God and he he uh, sl- he he made a sacrifice that he shouldn't have and and he goes to get to um, I believe it's the prophet Samuel um, to to hey like hey what's going on with God because at the time the prophets were the ones that spoke for God Samuel had already tapped out of this lifetime he was gone he actually went to go to go find someone to channel Samuel for him and it's right there in the in the Bible the Old Testament. And Samuel's first thing is like, why are you interrupting me? I'm not even in your your realm anymore. Like why are you coming to me? He's like, well, God's not talking to me. That's like literally right in the Bible. right And then New Testament for those who are you know, you know uh, want to play around this for a little bit. And again, second John, by the way, says, you know the Holy Spirit will, will will guide you in all things. If you're struggling with this, just ask the Holy Spirit to teach you the truth of this. What could possibly be true about what we're talking about? I'm fully confident to your point about higher self if somebody's seeking, Purely, they will find the answers. to this. But then right there, first frickin' lines of the New Testament, John the Baptist shows up on the scene, and what do they ask him? Who are you? Are you Elijah? Well, that's really fascinating, because Elijah lived 400-something-plus years before that. So how are you asking somebody alive at this time, at that time, in that realm, if you were Elijah, if you do not understand some kind of applied reality about incarnation? As an example.
1: I, I mean, my work—I do work with archangels and Jesus and all of um, you know the same. It, like it's the same across every religion and platform. It really is all the same story and all the same structure, just told differently through different eyes. But uh, there's nothing. There, right, like there's nothing uh, dangerous about healing and supporting people and right. seeing <laughs> people grow. And having people live their best lives. Yeah, tell um, that to
0: Jesus. They crucified him for doing that. So <laughs> maybe there is something dangerous about doing well,
1: that. I guess today, in today's age, we're a little bit luckier than we were back then.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Most people are ready for it, I think.
0: Well, I think, I think you're right. I think humanity is waking up to some deeper truths. So they're remembering some deeper truths of our reality and who we actually are. Um, and that's fun for me. There's a lot of things that in what I call the woo-woo community that um, I don't enjoy. Um, a lot of it is that the, I'm so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. Uh, and I don't like, we see one of the more popular things I'm seeing in our society right now is I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Uh, that's like a warning for me anytime I hear that. Which isn't because there isn't truth to it. Uh, but I, what what is your orientation to religion? Let's just start there.
1: I I... My whole motto since I was very, very young has been not to identify with anything that I'm not seeing, hearing, or feeling myself. I don't like to be told what to believe or who I am. I just kind of, um, I've, I've always kind of had this inner knowing and this inner guidance. Uh, so I absolutely don't ever really Participate in any type of belief system where somebody is like, "You absolutely have to do this with no question." <laughs> right. I've just never functioned that way. I've always been very curious, and my my first thing was like, "Why, why, why do I have to do that? What's the problem with that? What's the danger with that? If you can't tell me the problem with the thing, then I'm just not going to comply to it." So, percent. My thing is just whatever I want to believe in.
0: <laughs> Which is here's the, here's the tricky thing about nonlinear thinking. It's highly contextual and relevant to the person, which the linear mind does not enjoy. Because you're exactly right. At the level of consciousness that you're operating in, you operate at a level of freedom where that is a, not an irresponsible thing to say. But to somebody at a lower level of consciousness, they may very well need to be told what to do, which is why I think we went through the freaking dark ages, which we could certainly talk about that if you want, um, where human consciousness was so bloody low it really did come down to the Ten Commandments. Just don't do these things, right? Don't do these things. And and I've talked about this before, but the story of Moses is a hilarious one for me because, again, he goes up the mountain, hangs out with God, he's shining brightly. He writes a bunch of things down on tablets. However long he was gone, when he comes back down to relate to the people of Israel, after being, you know, the Red Sea splits open, they're fed manna, for however long he was up there, they became concerned and, and scared and they built... a altar and a golden calf and started worshiping a a golden calf instead of the living God. So Moses gets frustrated and he's like, "Bro's," and he throws the tablets down. Like what in the fuck are we doing here? And stomps back up the mountain, right? And God's like, hey, chill out, chill out. We got this. He's like, we're just going to write down 10 commandments. Let's keep it simple for him. And so we don't actually know what was on those original command or the original tablets because it was destroyed out of frustration, which I'm going to guess was some pretty enlightened shit. They just weren't ready for it. So instead, God's like, all right, Ten Commandments, let's just keep it chill. Right. And the, the Ten Commandments in general, it's pretty easy to see from a conscious level why they were useful. Right? It's not like as a whole, they're not.
1: your conscience. <laughs> <well>, yeah. <laughs>
0: and if you're not, just following these is probably going to keep the guardrails on, on your life. Right? And then you see that again. Uh, Jesus said the same thing when he shows up on earth. He's like, let those who have ears hear, meaning let those who are conscious enough to understand what I'm saying, to understand he spoke in parable. And then Paul after him said the same thing. He's like, dudes, I'd love to give you meat, but I have to keep feeding you milk because you are not conscious enough to understand what the hell I'm trying to tell you. So we see this theme and that that's hard for people to get their head around because that is nonlinear thinking. That is a, it's consciousness then is highly contextual to the individual. And, and, and at that level, what s- may seem right at one level, right, may not be at another level of thinking. Right. And I that's like tough. The, the, the human world doesn't enjoy not having those boundaries, right? We right. like black and white. It gives us safety.
1: Right. People ask me that all the time, and I think it's a really interesting question. And it just is... If, if we have someone, you know, like myself that can channel all of this information and all this beautiful, like where we're from and what's going on, then why can't we just all live in peace? And there's so many elements to that. Um, My job is to be a teacher. And that means that my students decide what I communicate and how I communicate it. Therefore, it doesn't matter what I know. It only matters what I can communicate, what people can receive. And that is a really difficult concept a lot of people don't understand. So Mm. we can talk about any prophet that's crossed earth. Even if they had all of the answers, you wouldn't fucking understand it. Correct. And... If we're talking about, you know, the Bible, first of all, we didn't even understand psychology. So we know something's wrong, but we don't know why it's wrong. We just know it makes people feel like shit. And then now we're getting to a point where we obviously understand the emotion behind that. We can trace that back a little bit more. So we are just kind of expanding the story a little bit and making more sense of it, I guess, than we used to be able to make out of it. And I think a lot of people love the term that, you know, I'm spiritual and not religious because they're trying to break free of those boundaries kind of set on them. And they're like, oh, I'm growing with this. I'm shifting with this. I'm changing. I'm doing something a little bit different.
0: 100%. And that's why, for me, it's, it's a beautiful truth, right? Because we are spiritual. Religion is a, is a function of participation in a belief system that either may or may not help us understand the truth. We are spiritual. The framing is what drives me nuts because it usually comes with either a rebellious or antagonistic or a, we'll say, agnostic structure. I'm just going to pick and choose what I want to believe, which is hilarious. But but to your point, depending on where you are in that process, that may be useful for you as you come into your own understanding of what is true and what isn't. Everything
1: happens in polarity. So if we're talking about the really aggressive, restrictive, you know, kind of religious process we've experienced on earth over the last centuries. And that's just going to lead to the opposite, the exact opposite. And then now we're getting people kind of ready to meet in the middle somewhere. So I get it. It's coming from a wounded place, but you know, it's the same kind of thing as like, you know, fight the patriarchy and hate all men. Um, I'm raising boys and I'm raising girls and I'm not going to comply to any belief system that's like my son is lesser because some other people did things they shouldn't have done, right? Right. It's like love and compassion and education are going to liberate all of my children from that pattern. Hmm. So we got, we got to find balance.
0: Well, this is a a beautiful topic and something I talk about regularly, especially my coaching sessions. All of this happens as a result. If you study human history, when we react to error, we cause more error. Right. That's it. And so if we want to stop the perpetuation of wounds, if we want to stop uh, the violation of human rights, you, you don't war against the opposite. You don't, you don't react to the error, you live in truth, which means you recognize the error, you heal the wound, but you live in truth, right? So in the, in the, the, <laughs> the patriarchy one is hilarious to me um, as an example. If you are a woman... Living in the last few thousand years, you have a lot of good fucking reason to be pissed off at how you've been treated. Right. The feminine has been very mistreated over the last few thousand years throughout history. Right. There's I don't think anybody wants to argue that it's crazy to me to think that women couldn't vote until about 100 years ago in the United States. I mean, we, to say that our fucking ass backwards is crazy. It's just as much of an error then to war against the masculine as if it was the enemy instead of recognizing the error of the decision and supporting the masculine. Otherwise, all you do is reverse that plurality. So now it's all about the feminine at the cost of the masculine. And we're now seeing that 100 years later, and that will be just as destructive and just keep the pattern going. Healing right, so you're is responding
1: from a trauma wound. And respond- you respond right. to respond from healing.
0: And when you respond from a trauma wound, you simply perpetuate the bullshit. Right.
1: Right. And so it's, it's a, ending it's a never ending story of welcome humanity. Welcome humanity. To Earth. Right. And <laughs> if
0: you study history, you're like, guys, how are you not yeah. seeing this? Right? If we want to stop this, it's like it's, it's hilarious to me. Another example of this is is this idea of communism, which is coming back around again. Um, so the only way we've ever seen communism work is with dictators right? Well, why do people want a communist society? Because they want everyone to be equal, right? Everything is just, everybody's cool. It's every, like fuck sticks, pay attention. There is not a communist society in which there is not a, a fucking dictator who's running everything, right? It's like, it's what? you're reacting to an error. We don't want this by creating another version of the same thing.
1: I just, I can't imagine spirit said this to me one time and I thought it was really fascinating. And it kind of has to do with like the transfer of money and stuff. And, I did struggle receiving money um, early in my career. It was a big block for me. And it was something I really had to work with. And um, I did at that time see money as like the root of all evil. And I was really upset about it. And I was like, you know, people are selfish and greedy and all this stuff. And it really like broke me to think like that. But eventually Spirit said that money is just an energy. It's just an energy exchange. You have to alchemize it. You're going to have to learn to take it in and do good with it and teach people to do good with it. And I Beautiful. think that power is very commonly the same where usually it's these really egotistical people that think they have the right to manage thousands or millions of lives that put themselves in that platform. When in reality, it's the silent one or the compassionate one or the fearful one that would probably make a better leader. Because a reluctant leader. They, right, they, they don't want it. They care more about the consequences of their actions versus the arrogance of just believing you're entitled to deciding all these things for people. Yeah. So that to me is like the perfect dictator, really.
0: I I feel like a lot of people have money blocks.
1: Yeah, they do. It's a big. Why is that? That's all sacral chakra. So Mm -hmm. I've learned. I've learned that in my clients, it's the the ability to receive, and we are all conductors of energy. So if we're not conducting love and healing, we're conducting trauma, um, and our ability to receive is located in our sacral. And this is where we carry our generational trauma, our parents' wounds. So it's the house of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. So if we have any wounds with our parents, they're also going to be housed there. Um, rape, sexual abuse. Shame, which, you know, if we look at history, there's just so much of that. So a lot of people are coming into earth unable to receive, unable to connect, and very distrusting. And that's just a side effect of trauma, right? A side effect of the experience. So when we're healing that wound, we kind of work through all the experiences that created it and bring peace to it. And then people are just like openly receiving and connecting and, and, you know, having all this abundance, which is really, really amazing to see.
0: So it's interesting you say that sacral chakra is also... Our houses our sexual energy, right? And it represents in our sex organs. And I think of the very first book that was ever handed to me in the personal development space. I was 11 years old and this dude just somewhat randomly hands, hands me this book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And the whole bloody book, not the whole book, but the, the, the biggest takeaway from that book was learning how to channel your sexual energy into creative Productive.
1: Someone gave that to you when you were eleven. 11. What a pervert! It changed my life.
0: I was. Like, it was like a, a big remembering. I still yeah. have it. It's sitting. It's all yellowed and and uh, very well aged at this point. But it helped me understand. Really helped me remember um, the power of your creative energy, which is your right. sexual energy, and to use it.
1: It literally births human beings. Literally you birth projects. You birth money. You birth creation, Businesses. right?
0: All, all things come through that right. space. So it was cool to see that Napoleon, he wouldn't have talked about chakras by any stretch, but he did somehow intuit the understanding of that connection between that and money and success. And he was teaching it a hundred years ago. And it's it's fascinating to me to see how there are things, he's not that ancient and uh, he's ancient now, but he's not that ancient relative to the mystics and, and a lot of the uh, the old school mystics. But there are things that we've taught for thousands of years using spiritual language um, that we now are finding to be true through the scientific method, right? And we're now, which I don't find to be superior, but for the linear mind who loves rational thinking and reason, which has its limits, it definitely limits out, um, but is quite useful. And for the last couple hundred years, we've been picking up lots of low-hanging fruit because there was such a deprivity of rational thinking, but it is useful and cool to see that we're now looking at it from a scientific lens and going, wow, there's actually science that explains a lot of these things that have been taught for a few thousand years. And for the mystics, they're like, bloody hell, we've been trying to fucking tell you. But good, I'm glad your, your scientific method is now helping you. So neuroscience is a space that, that's getting really big in and we're beginning to see. Um, but what would somebody do then? They're listening and they're going, yeah, definitely have blocks financially or relationally or family issues, what what is a practice you could put into place to help bring down those um, blocks and potentially heal trauma?
1: Well, we all have blocks. Nobody's really above the human experience as much as we like to think we're so super healed here. Um, <laughs> everybody has something they're struggling with. And what seems I like a rite of
0: passage to be here.
1: Right. It's uh. So what helped me? Um. Now, when we look at the like scientific layout of the chakras, it's just the meridian centers, and they're just. You know, we if we looked at the anatomy of the body, you would see it's an accumulation of nerves, and um, muscles, and so what we have are we can release tension, or blocks from that. Sometimes heat, sometimes working out, um, and this is why some people have a really interesting experience. Like when you're working out and you really hit hard and then all of a sudden you just feel like this energetic release, something like let go or you're yep. emotional. Uh, that's you releasing a block through, because it gets trapped in our muscular system and uh, in our, even our bone structure and our nervous system. So there's, and it's nothing, I, I laugh when people are like, Oh, it's so woo woo. It's not, it's called psychology. You know, if you're really struggling with a belief system or a thought pattern or a repeated pattern, we have Google. You can look up the the whole like okay, if it's your sacral chakra, check out am- abandonment wounds. You know, there's like a whole bunch of information about abandonment wounds. You can use that as a guide to self-repair. Um, what I find is that a lot of people don't actually know what's wrong with them. They just feel stuck. Yeah. And this led me to one of my blogs I call The Trauma Loop, where We repeat something so many times that we just continue looping and looping and looping and we don't actually know what it is or why we're in that area or time or space. And so it does sometimes take someone from the outside to be like, hey, you're not thinking of the possibilities here because you are stuck in your own belief system and in your own pattern. Like, let me awaken you to some new information or knowledge. So sometimes it requires actual help. Um, I think that the most aggressive blocks will naturally require help. And that's the same as psychology. If you knew the problem, you wouldn't be stuck.
0: And I would, ex- I would explain it this way. Psychology is useful, but it's just a modality, another modality for understanding how to get there. And we have many of them now, right? Like, right. And so whatever modality works for you, right. great, use that one. Right, um, it's
1: more acceptable. I mean, we are dealing with past life blocks are just like th- are any emotional belief system or things that we carry in this life. And that's how we would deal with it, right? If I have relationship problems, what would I do? I would go see a therapist. If I feel like I have relationship problems, but I don't necessarily know where they came from, it can get a little dicey because a the therapist is going to be like, "Oh, well, your parents are fine. Your relationships are fine. It seems like you shouldn't have this problem. So let me just medicate you. Right. And that's a problem.
0: Right, 100%. And that's because... Psychology as a whole, which I think is somewhat ironic, generally wants to fold into the scientific process, scientific method, and into a linear way of looking at the world. That it's playing in a realm where that's not possible at all times, right? And so, I, I didn't, my <laughs> undergrad, yeah, my undergrad was all in psychology, and I got to a point where I began to get discouraged by it because it seemed like as much of a religion as like any other religion, it was just a different way of explaining the world. And although there was quote-unquote, scientific facts, scientific data, the it had limits to what it could interpret in the world, right? And so beyond that, it was kind of groping in the dark blindly to try to figure it out. And so I think it can be a very useful tool, but also has its limits in trying to understand things that go beyond explanations that seem obvious, right? Obvious facts. That's right. Brian Weiss was a psychologist, which is why I found his work very interesting, because that's the, That was where he went. And exactly what you said. It was like he was trying to explain it with stuff that was going on in this lifetime. He was trying to explain it with relationships she had in this lifetime with her parents. And it was like none of that checked out. And then when he was able to get her into a hypnotic state, all of this stuff started processing that was like, oh, wow, this is lifetimes right. of work.
1: Wow, your emotions are valid. That's crazy.
0: Right. <laughs> so that's, that's fun. That's where the
1: healing happens. When I'm working with people, I... You know, a couple of like easy tricks, I would say, to kind of hack the system, I think, are to first follow your emotions and understand they're all valid. Second is face your fears. Any place that makes you uncomfortable is a place you can grow. And a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us just kind of are like, oh, I'm scared. I'm going to avoid that. And I'm just going to keep running away from that. And that's a huge mistake. If you really wanted to grow and kind of unblock yourself, then you would face every fear and you would go everywhere you are uncomfortable and you would kind of train yourself to work through those things and see what releases. Cause quite literally something's going to come up every time. Mm. Um, there, there is like an energetic fear versus like an actual danger. Like obviously if you're afraid of running across the highway, don't do that. That's not what we mean. I just mean like if you're afraid of commitment or you're afraid of the dark or you're afraid of losing someone, you've got to kind of lean into that instead of running away from it.
0: So you said something I want to make sure we clarify, um, because I know what you mean, uh, but I'd like for you to, to be clear about what you mean, because this is something that gets abused a lot. What are you saying when you say all emotions are valid? Because to, to frame this...
1: I know where th- you're getting at.
0: Yeah, a lot of times people will use emotion, an emotional response to advocate that what they're experiencing must be true, which okay. there is a big difference between this is true and this is valid. Right. So what so do you mean by that?
1: All of your emotions are valid, but they are not weapons. And people really struggle with that. Whatever I feel is my responsibility. And that's just, you know, very simply put, everything I feel is my responsibility. It is a container in which I have have observed the world yes and therefore like it's my job to heal that and a lot of people don't understand that they can go into like you made me feel this way and it must be valid and I'm just gonna like vomit all that shit on you and yes. then you're just gonna have to take that and I'll never actually face that and work on that that's not what emotions are for um, they are a beautiful map to self-repair and self-reflection there and all of our healing is is done exactly in that form but We might find, like, let's say, for example, in relationships are a huge way we kind of, like, reflect that back and forth over and over and over and over and over again. Um, And most relationships just kind of blame each other. And there's always, like, well, she did and he did and they did. Um, but the idea is that when we are using emotions appropriately, it's, I feel like this and I'm going to go figure that out. And then I'm going to come back with like whatever lesson I've learned and I'm going to note where I was wrong and I'm going to, you know, apologize for my bullshit and how I kind of projected that onto you. And then I'm going to make sense of it and kind of continue growing from that. Beautiful. Um, and people don't really do that well. Yeah.
0: It's, so I look at it, emotions are beautiful. I like think this life would be very boring without emotion. They're the spice of life. And they can act like my uncles used to call uh, the cars and the lights in your car idiot lights, like in your dash, all the little lights that turn on to tell you, hey, you need to change your oil, you need to, you know, get more gas, or, you know, any of the lights that are indicating something's wrong with your car. Obviously, not all emotions are indication of something that's wrong, but it's useful to think something is incongruent here, and I'm being alerted through an energetic response. The mistake would be to think that it's outside of yourself, Right. And that's so where people has weaponize
1: control over us. Right. And that's a big mistake. Well, trauma is very disempowering, right? So if we think that the world has attacked us or hurt us or abused us, then we are constantly feeling victimized by the earthly experience. And healing is literally liberation. So we have to be Which able is to be the opposite. Ourselves. Right. You cannot be a victim and, you know, a brave like hero of your own experience at the same time. You've got to pick one or the other.
0: And, and where this goes wrong is where people begin to interpret the world and truth through their experience, right? Where they start to, it may be their truth, their experience, but not the experience. And, and one of the things that I like to use that helps people understand this, uh, which is important to understand, it's like if if uh, Sandra, who's not here today, but if Sandra ran into the office and she was screaming, oh my God, there's a bomb in the building, there's a bomb in the building, we got to get out, right? Well, depending on your your hardwiring, you're going to, everyone's going to have their own experience with that information, right? You may be afraid. You may be scared. You may be climbing over people to get out of the building. You may try to jump through a window. You may try to carry people out. You may push people out of your way all while you're having this experience and your mind is going through and thinking about, I wish I would have done this. Why didn't I do this? Oh my God, I can't believe this is the way I'm going to die. You're having a very real experience. Okay. We go downstairs, we're waiting in the parking lot. Fuck, 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 the place is gonna blow up. Nothing happens. Sandra walks out a few minutes later. She starts laughing her ass off. She thinks this shit is funny. Fired. Right? <laughs> right? She thinks it's funny. Was your experience real? Was your emotional response real? Yes. Was it based on a lie? Yes. It was the internal response and your belief about what was happening that everything happened in, not the actual world. And this is really important to understand because this is where people start to get lost in their own emotion, where they they can't see it in context and they don't understand what and how they're responding to things. And they begin to perceive that the world must be this way because of how I'm responding to the world. Does that make sense? And this is where people get lost in the sauce in their own emotional um, kind of foray. And I see a lot of people get manipulated by this bullshit. And if you see an energy, then you're not going to get manipulated because you're going to see the profile of what's actually happening there. But I love emotion. I don't like how emotion is used to weaponize and manipulate people.
1: Right, because that would also just be a trauma response. So we've got to get really clear about the patterns we're kind of participating in and what that means for ourselves, really. And then healing just makes everything so much clearer. And that's when, um, like now, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. When I have conversations with people, I can immediately tell when they're reacting from a wounded place. And I just don't take it personally. It's just very, very obvious that, you know, there's some projection and there's some anger and there's some pain. And it's easy for me to have compassion for them instead of get reactive.
0: And dead giveaways, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you see what would be perceived as an overreaction to something that's generally a giveaway for me that somebody's dealing with something that's way beyond the obvious context of what's happened, right? Where there's a, and, and so if when I see somebody in, in, you know, admittedly overreacting or describing an overreaction as somewhat of a subjective perception, but you kind of get a baseline for a person, like this is a normal experience for them and this isn't normally how they show up. And then they suddenly are way over the top on something. You're like, Whoa, To me, that's a little flag that says there's something else going on here. Mm -hmm. And that's just a simple way to like step back, not take it personal and go, you know, what's going on else in your life?
1: I think that's the beauty of it all. It's very practical, right? That happens to all of us. And if we have some crazy ungrounded experience where we're just like, wow, why did I flip the fuck out over ice cream? You know, maybe that's something else. Maybe it's not really about ice cream. But if we're aware of those things, we see kind of the way like our own soul is talking through us all the time and we can face it. And it's really just not that wild of a concept anymore.
0: So you wrote a book called creation and this is second, third, fourth, fifth time you've wrote this book.
1: I don't even know how many times, but I have written it in other lives.
0: And in this iteration, uh, At least there doesn't seem to be any kind of uh, limitation, hesitance to get it out, which is nice, um, historically speaking. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and why it's been so important that you've carried this through so many lifetimes?
1: I I just laugh because everybody's like, how about if there was like a manual or a book or something? And I think that, you know, it's just so it's what I've learned over my experiences with my sessions and what I've kind of been bringing down to earth life after life after life. So... I put it all in a book so people can, I I think that creating content for all types of people is really important and all incomes and books are a really great way to do that. So I might not be able to work on everybody in the world, but creating a book where people might use the information to kind of self heal or self guide or learn something about themselves or tap back into their intuition is something I think is just really valuable to leave on earth.
0: hundred percent. And and for me, I would describe it as helping people remember what they have forgotten right right and and the biggest is, as I've traveled around the world, the biggest separator between those who have and those who have not in any realm or context is education and I see that everywhere everywhere I go it's the issue is one of education, not material right which sometimes those those inter uh, interlock but if there is anything we're all here to do is to help each other remember the truth. And we have a really nasty association with truth in this day and age, right? We don't really like that word, lowercase truth, capital case truth, absolutism versus relativism. Um, so, so what are practical things we can do to remember? What are things we can do? What, what are tactical things that we can do as individuals to begin to wake up?
1: I think that if anybody's listening to anything like this and having any type of curiosity, you're already well on your way. And that nurturing that and not running away from it is a really good step that a lot of people don't even really lean into. Um, but everybody has, so healing, healing just helps clear your voice. And I know that it's gonna sound stupid, but again, it's healing is the bridge to everything. So the more we heal, the clearer we get, the more in tune we get, the more we hear spirit, the less reactive we are, the less distracted by anger we are, the less distracted by greed we are, right? It allows us the tools to listen to that higher vibrational frequency and voice that leads us. So healing is really, really important. It helps connect us in a lot of ways, and we will feel it the more. And I, if we think of it this way, if your body is this beautiful like auric field and you have all these traumas, you have all these leaks and hoses and very easily triggered wounds, then it's going to be very hard for you to pay attention to what's going on next door or down the street or upstairs, right? You're going to want to heal that first. And that's exactly what happens. When you heal all these drains and leaks, you're just naturally connected. Yes. It's not an anomaly to be connected.
0: So I love what you're saying there. and, and, And I hold this as true. Love is our birthright. Being connected is our birthright. It is our natural state. So if I'm hearing you correctly and you correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is things ultimately begin to come together and remembering becomes fairly natural when we remove the blocks, the traumas, the stories, the unforgiveness in our life.
1: You get back to your whole self.
0: So right? really it's then the work is simply to surrender the illusion and remember who you are through the process of surrendering the pains, the injustices, the the unforgiveness, those blockages in our life, which is consistent when you see people get whole and healthy, they all kind of talk that path. It's like life begins to change when they deal with their shit. Right. Right. So, okay. So then what is the practically, what can someone do to begin to get whole and healthy? What's practices they can put in their life to begin to release shit?
1: It's really interesting. Some of the most common suggestions I get from spirit when working with people in one-on-one is spending more time in nature. Obviously we are made of nature, so it makes sense that, about that nature heals, clears, realigns, and it does alchemize negative energy naturally. It was created to do so, yes. you know, and there's a whole bunch of scientific studies done around grounding and walking barefoot in nature and kind of filling your body back up with energy from earth, which is again, a scientifically proven process. So being connected to in- Uh, nature helps, eating better helps. Um, and it, it's just, if we fill up our vessel with a bunch of shit that makes us feel like shit, then we're going to be distracted by the shit we're eating. So we're never really gonna feel high vibrational and connected, or like we have the energy to put into the things we need to do. And I would say like, you know, you're not fueling yourself for success. You're not fueling yourself for that five minute meditation or that walk outside. And a lot of times people will be like, I don't have time to eat well. I don't have time to go outside. And I was like, you don't have time or energy because you're not eating well and you're not going outside. It is our food source. Yes. So if you're not using it appropriately, you're going to feel like shit and you won't want to do anything with your life, period. So you have to start there. And a lot of people really take that for granted. And it can be as easy as a five-minute walk every morning and you know, just eating better for yourself because you feel better and cutting things out of your diet slowly. It doesn't. Ha- you don't have to become a yoga monk guru in a day. Um, But those things really, really do help people feel clearer and like have the energy to do more with their life. Meditation helps. And I I know this is kind of unconventional. I don't put all my weight on meditation. Um, I think that meditation is helpful, but I I often find that a lot of my clients just hate it and they're not actually connecting. They just pass out and fall asleep. (laughs) So one of the things that I, I did when I was doing my, like my own awakening, I just couldn't meditate. I was always sleeping. I just wanted to pass out everywhere I went. That's actually a side effect of really intense trauma, root chakra trauma. So sometimes we try to meditate and we just get nothing out of it. Um, so a really great way to bypass that in a healthy way would be to hike, to walk, to do what I call like walking meditations. You do it in nature around fires. Um, so it can be active. A lot of people I think confuse that with I have to sit still and do nothing and you know, hopefully I'll be enlightened. But I found my connection in movement and in nature.
0: Hundred percent. And what I love about what you're saying is you can back test these things for yourself. I rarely run into somebody who hasn't spent time in nature, who feels more grounded, who feels healthier, that has right. more energy. There are some weird people who grew up in the city who sometimes have psychological blocks around nature, but I think that's a separate issue. That's,
1: those are wounds. Yeah. I've dealt with those. Uh, yeah.
0: And then medita- you're right about meditation. I think at a certain level of consciousness, uh, meditation is more useful. But to, like something you said earlier, and I wish it, it wasn't true, but there isn't a, a one size fits all with this stuff. Right? Depending on where you are, it, not all things work for everyone. Right. And so that's part of the human experience is figuring out which of these modalities are most useful for me. And some people really struggle with meditation. And it is a very common thing. And I'm a huge fan of mindfulness, but I absolutely understand that, especially depending on where you are, that may not be this, the thing you start with. And I personally think walking in nature is a form of meditation, It is right? Yeah. It, it slows you I down. my
1: walking meditations. Yeah.
0: And, and we know this from a psychological standpoint, uh, specifically in Japan, it isn't uncommon for uh, a therapist to prescribe or even a doctor to prescribe a forest bath where that becomes part of their routine for better mental health is to go out into the woods and and walk in nature. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. And uh, water is another being in water. What, talk to me about that real quick. What's what's the nature of water and how that can be a healing modality?
1: Water in itself is just a natural healer, but it it can also be used to kind of clear our auric field or to kind of send away messages. Um, It's not, so the ocean is very cleansing. Naturally, it's got salt, you know, so salt can absorb negative energy and stuff. But water is a conductor of energy. So if you go into water with bullshit, you're coming out with more. So it can be (laughs) kind of like a tricky thing. you got to use it the right way. Um, if you're going in with the intention of love and compassion and healing you'll get more of it you're just amplifying whatever you brought into it so that can be a little bit tricky the ocean is absorbing negative energy and very cleansing so it depends you know fresh water or ocean you're not gonna you're not gonna amplify that through the ocean the ocean is way more powerful than we are it's like no I run this show and taking that and doing something with it so it depends where you go and what you need to do but You got to be careful how you use water.
0: Have you, have you had any experience with float tanks?
1: I haven't done it myself. I, I think it's kind of interesting that we have there. I I think that a lot of these things are really beautiful and helpful, but a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the hallucinogenics and the tools and the fun experiences with no emphasis on the self repair and Mm -hmm. the work. And so I just haven't really let myself be distracted by that because I, I got my results. So it's like, I, you know, I'm very connected and I can hear spirit and I follow my process that works. So I don't really need to play around with a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There, there's a lot of um, modalities and different ways to, to do the work. Unfortunately, and to your point, like I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the psych- psychedelic space and we may or may differ a little bit on that. But I don't disagree with you on it doesn't matter if you have these tools if you don't do the bloody work. And a lot of times people will avoid doing the work and think that they're uber spiritual or uber connected as a seeker because they're participating in you know, yoga or or ten day silent retreats or or, fucked
1: up on mushrooms. Yeah,
0: or or psilocybin or ayahuasca. And it's like they're really doing it to avoid doing the work. Although I have a hard time believing somebody can stay in that space for too long. I have a hard time believing it. I've seen it, so I know it's possible. (laughs) But you still have to do the work, whatever the case may be. That's like one of the phrases I use all the time. Just do the work or this is the work. Because no matter what tools you have, no matter what community you're involved in, if you are unwilling to do the personal work, you're never going to get free, right? right? Nobody can do it for you. We
1: have to acknowledge that they are just tools. And I think that's the biggest problem is that a lot of people are going out there really anchoring their, you know, and I, on it, it makes me feel really bad that people think that that's the only way they're going to connect. And then they really anchor that to their spirituality and their belief system. And then they feel like I have to go be on this plant or this herb or this thing, just so I can hear my team or hear beyond, you know, my own pain. But the idea is it's always just a moment. And if you want long-term results, you've got to do the work and it's just a tool. And we have to, we have to remember it's just a tool or we put way too much emphasis on that and we put too much time and energy into it.
0: And and what ends up happening is I think every community has what I call seekers Right, they're this this group that loves being in the community. They love participating, but they're not interested in doing the work, and thus they kind of mill around.
1: They're always looking for that pill, and,
0: and they and they want to worship something or someone, and they're always looking for that next thing, right? And it's that that to me is akin in the business world. I talk about lazy ambitious people, and I have no interest in being like lazy ambitious people are the scariest people in the world for me to be around. Like I just they're dangerous. Seekers are kind of like lazy, ambitious people for the same reasons. They want all the upside. They're not interested in doing the actual inner work to get to the next level.
1: I don't even really blame them. If you look at the history of Earth, a lot of spiritual teachers and gurus have done exactly that, where they've been like, I have the answers. Worship me. I'm super important. I'm the only one connected to spirit. <laughs> right. And I've kind of like just flipped a script on that because I don't like to be worshipped. And I, I think... My whole job here is liberating other people, teaching them that they're Word. perfectly capable of connecting themselves, thinking for themselves, and having this beautiful connection to spirit. And that's what's going to help the earth evolve.
0: And I would say there's probably an argument to be made at different times in human consciousness. It may have been per- important to have a a guru or a spiritual leader or or someone or something that was worshipped. That is not now. Yeah. I think... Anybody who's coming out saying, I have all the answers, follow me, worship me, I'm the way, the truth and the light, barring from something Christ said, and he said it completely different than how most people interpreted it, um, that should be a red flag, a warning. Right. Right? This is the season where hopefully people are helping others awaken to who they are. Right? right? And we rise in one voice, not the voice of a guru or a particular leader a unified voice that remembers, that wakes up together and points you to the truth inside of you that you've always known. And that's, we hear that you bears witness in your spirit, truth that you've always known bears witness here. You, you feel, it feel it and you're like, oh yeah, like you remember it versus, oh, that's good. Or I know that it's, I know that versus. Oh,
1: I feel it to be true. Yeah. I yeah. feel
0: it to be true. That's bearing witness in your spirit and simply allowing you to remember what you've always known. Right. Um, I would, li- I'd like to, we didn't talk about this, but I would like to, we have a number of people in the, the audience here and it doesn't look like anybody's asleep, so that's good. Um, Are you open to answering some questions? Maybe having some people ask you some questions. Are you okay with that?
1: Yeah, I'll do my best.
0: Let's see if anybody has some questions, something we can dive questions. in. If anybody was interested in something we're talking about and like to, to get into more, let's do it. You know, this is important to know. Yeah, Yeah. that's
1: a really funny concept because I've been, obviously I've been gifted my whole life, but I believe that everybody has gifts. So what happens is you just assume the world processes information like you do. (laughs) So I could see hauntings and communicate with them, but it was mostly telepathic. So I'd have whole entire conversations with them. And I really thought everybody was doing the same exact thing. I thought we were all walking the earth, like talking to dead people inside and knew everything about them. And um, I was hypersensitive, and I think a lot of parents might have seen that as a problem because, uh, you know, if my brother fell on his bike two miles down the street, I'd cry and feel it, and my knee hurt. And my mom always knew this. She knew I had gifts, so she was really compassionate with me and really gentle with me. But I find that a lot of people are raised in an environment where they're like, you're just being dramatic, you're seeking attention, Um, you, you don't need to make it about you. But it was really funny because my mamas used to call me special. And back when I was a kid, special meant dumb. (laughs) So I thought I was dumb. Mm -hmm. And I remember being 26 years old, I had my first experience at a haunted house. Like a
0: literal haunted house, not a a Halloween
1: house. You guys ever heard of Lizzie Borden? Lizzie Borden had an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. A notorious haunting over on the East Coast near Boston, Fall River. Um, So I was with people that wanted to stay there. So I was like, sure, I'm a total skeptic. I don't believe in this stuff because I'd never had anybody else give me any evidence. And I wanted evidence. So I stayed at this haunted house and I saw all these dead people and I knew all their stories and it was confirmed by these tour guides and at one point he started talking about her story and saying, well, I don't know if she really did it. And then she came up to him and held his neck and he goes, I always get choked up here for some reason. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, what is happening? And I was asking people, I'm like, you don't see it. You don't see it, you don't see it. And everybody was just like, no. And I was like, oh my God. And I called my mom <laughs> from the driveway because I was freaking out. And I was like, There's de- I'm seeing dead people everywhere. And I think that I have gifts. And she was like, I have literally always told you that. And I was like, no, you said I was special. <laughs> and I, thought I was dumb. <laughs> I was like, this is what you meant. And she was like, what the fuck did you think I meant? <laughs> I was like, I thought, you, I thought I was dumb. It's just a weird experience. We don't know we have gifts until we, until we dive deeper into how other people function, right? Until we have that window where you're experiencing something that nobody else is really experiencing. And then all that evidence really kicked me out to that door I was finally like, can't deny that. Wow. <laughs> so it was a weird experience, but it was fun. You said you were 26? I was 26 years old, yeah. So my, my journey really began there because um, I didn't know before then. I, I think I was always seeking answers and always seeking modalities and always, like, seeing healers and readers because I had this obsession with trying to prove that maybe it was true but I was always a skeptic because I never got anything that really, like, sat with me or was validating enough or detailed enough. And um, I was really obsessed with psychology, too. And I thought, like, you know, if you know psychology, you can tell. You know that people are upset or sad or emotional, so that's not good enough for me. I want something that you can't tell from my outside, right, or who I Like, you can't make snap judgments on my clothes or my gender um, and I just never got it. And I was really upset about that. So I was actually a skeptic.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, the ironies.
1: <laughs> I would hate to know or see dead people. For me. For I, you know, it's really, <laughs> I had a lot of, like, imagined scenarios. It's so funny because even though I was seeing dead people, you know, Hollywood makes it so scary that I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to see dead people. And they were everywhere all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, dead people are exactly like living people and a lot less dangerous because yes. living people can beat you up. Dead people are just going to bother you and watch you change. It's really not <laughs> like it's not that bad. That makes it a easier for right. Women. They're just like living people. They're just as, you know, if I was a skeptic and I was really afraid, then I'm just going to be the same as spirit. So uh, and what we're looking at is a haunting. A haunting is a soul that has not crossed over. So their conscious thinking is very similar to their human body. Yep. Now, when we're connecting with spirit, these are things that have crossed over. So they have a very kind of like powerful, high vibrational connection and knowledge, but they're not all knowing. And I think that a lot of people need to understand that because you might get a message from your mother or father or uncle or something that has crossed over, but they, they might be speaking on something they don't actually study or haven't mastered because a soul has lessons, a soul, why we wouldn't be here if we knew everything, we wouldn't need the experience.
0: And that I always found that hilarious um, in my own journey through lifetime. So we assume because somebody not in a body is sharing it, it must be true. It must be true. It must be accurate. And right. Like, no, dude, they're just not in a body. Right. <laughs> like, why, that And I guess for most humans, that's a really hard thing to get their head around. Right. Or like, they're just i the body spirit
1: come to me for information because it's my specialty. So like the Akashic realm is my specialty. So I, you know, they come to me for that verse. Like, you know, if I went to like Susan BQ, whose specialty maybe was relationships, she's not going to know shit about the Akashic realm or the incarnation process she's going to know her specialty. So I think that's just really important to understand because a lot of people would be like, well, I talked to this thing and it told me to do this thing and it must be true even though I'm getting zero results.
0: Uh, this is where uh, psychics can be tricky because they could be channeling and not know who or what they're channeling.
1: Very dangerous, it yeah. It could
0: be very dangerous because it's it's not that they're not channeling. Just don't assume that what the information right. you're getting is either accurate or, you know... Mm -hmm.
1: So, I totally have a question now about your highest self then. Like if you then believe in your highest self, how do you then really truly trust that information? Well, with practice and with evidence. I mean, it's just like anything else. Nobody's going to force you to trust something. You have to earn that relationship with your higher self. And the way we do that is by evidence. If your higher self's like, hey, that person's dog shit, and you're still hanging out with them, and they're dog shit, and you'd be like, oh, should have listened, right? So it's very evidential and it's very practical and it's very helpful and the more we trust it the easier it is to kind of just follow suit and do the thing without do you questioning it. Them all no, they're your database. Okay. So it's it's really it's much more knowledge than we have in this, you know, one physical like body unless we've integrated all of those past lives into our conscious thinking. But a lot of us have not, um, we're just learning how to do that on earth right now, and it's really freaking complicated. <laughs> you think healing complicated. Imagine healing hundreds of lives. It's, it's a lot of work.
0: Until it but isn't.
1: we have the, um, your higher self is a collection of your soul's experiences, and that is all your higher self can speak on. So it is actually one of the best guides for you, because every question you're going to have is about, you know, y- how you think and how you feel and how you pr- receive the world and your higher self is going to have all those answers because right? it because knows you. Right. Perfectly. It was there when you had that experience, right?
0: two so things I would add to that is the frequency in which something is being spoken in can tell you a lot about its intent, right? Because in, in spirit energy is not hidden. There is no, f- there is no falsehood or truth. You there, there you, it is what it is. It is its frequency. So for instance, Small, still voice, the, your, your internal guide, in my experience, does not speak in fear, low frequency, low vibration, and it doesn't speak in the negative, not in the, it may speak in a way that helps you understand, but in, if it's in a negative way, right? It's not motivating through fear. It may warn, but it's not fear. So the energy in which something is being directed at to you is a very, for me, a very good indication of what is speaking at me. Right. Um, So that's one. And then two, the easiest way to look at higher self is just this. We're starting to begin to understand this in physics, which is fascinating. We could call it the elongated now, which is um, space time continuum. Right. If you speed up in space, you slow down time. Right. If you speed up time, you slow down space. Well, the easy way to look at time in that way, then, is that your higher self is literally looking at all lifetimes at the exact same time which is hard when you're in a body because you, all you can think is your linear process of this instance. But even if you think of like a, a software program like Salesforce, which maybe this sounds weird, but to stay with me, Salesforce has many different instances of the program that are used for many different things. Okay, But if you're looking at Salesforce and all of its instances at one time, you see it as one program. That's your life. You have separate instances of your life that are all one lifetime, but separate instances that you're learning very particular things. Higher self is seeing all of those lifetimes at one time, which is why it can see the outcome of things and give you the full picture, which is very, very useful if you can understand that. So, time is a time, is, I mean, Einstein knew this and he was trying to explain it to everyone. Time is a very relative thing, and albeit he said an illusion more than anything, and, and I think science is beginning to realize. Time is more of an illusion than anything. It's simply a useful way for us to learn particular lessons in a framework that creates instances of that. So, higher self is simply the ability to look down and see the whole picture, the whole field at one time. Maybe that's useful, but. I love that. I love that. Um, but just knowing that is all of your past lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, or all lives. Well, it could be future lives. The past life thing, it's all lives because time is...
1: Well, your soul's full experiences, which could be your like, origin story, where you were born. Yep. And maybe like you know anything outside of Earth. A lot of us actually have soul-level jobs that people just can't even fathom the idea we have a job out there and we do. Um, and many times it's a skill set we kind of drop down to Earth with. So it's really helpful in kind of knowing what, why we're here and what we're here to do for other people. But we have we have a whole experience outside of Earth, believe it or not.
0: And a lot of that work we do when we're sleeping in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Which is also fascinating, which is why you see the impact of the moon. For some of us, the last three or four days have been pretty wild with mm-hmm. the full moon. And there's it's supporting particular energies that allow you to get particular kinds of work done. But part of it is getting in the practice of thinking in a nonlinear way. So until... Mid-level consciousness, which we say consciousness of love, when we're operating from consciousness of love, which for the sake of explaining it is, we'll say it's arbitrary number, we'll say level 500 and above. If you're living at under 500, you tend to look at the world in a linear way, which means everything is cause and effect. Causality is everything. So this causes this. Once you get above linear thinking and you get into nonlinear thinking, you remove duality as one. Duality is a big thing for a lot of people. And you, you remove causality, which is also a confusing one for me. Instead, you look at things as attractor patterns, alignment and energy. Below that level, you're trying to explain things in a linear world and in a scientific way, which is why most of the great scientists scored as Einstein scored at 499 which is literally one level below love. And he's, he was incredible. He was a genius, obviously. And he used reason to understand the world. So he could explain the world in a linear way. But if you follow his last theorems, he was right on the edge of nonlinear thinking. And he really propelled nonlinear thinking forward, but he wasn't quite there himself because he got to the edge of what linear thinking can do. Which is why I love science. I think science is an incredible and useful tool on the earth but we must understand its limits. And science is doing a lot what the Catholic Church did four or five hundred years ago and is arrogantly imposing itself on the world and not acknowledging its own limits, right? Which is, it can only think in a linear world. It can only acknowledge the first three dimensions uh, or function in the first three dimensions. It's starting to recognize there are more dimensions, although it doesn't know what to fucking do with it, which is fun.
1: understanding them on a deeper level I and mean people do like past life readings and things like that um, but obviously you
0: have to know who you can trust to get readings um, of that nature and obviously if, if you can do it for yourself then probably it's the, the best but what's your kind of opinion on, on the first initial
1: steps? Um, it's really interesting. I've I So when I started I actually went to a past-life regression therapist which was kind of hilarious to think about right now but <laughs> I was like, hey, I want these answers. And for some reason, I'm being drawn to this. And it was really fascinating. I went in, I was there probably like four or six hours. It was a whole entire day, really exhausting. Um, I went into a couple of my own lives. I healed um, someone. I freed a couple souls that were trapped from my family line. And then I accessed some records for some stuff. And then I came back. And she was like, So you just like healed people and crossed people over and like dove into some records. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess so. And she was like, Oh, people don't do that. And I was like, Oh, really interesting. I just kind of like did the thing. Um, and what I found was that particular life that I did guided by a journeyer, I had to go back to later on because there was so much that I left that, that was left undone. And the reason is because like they had control over my consciousness and A lot of people don't recognize the difference between the past life, you know, a past life regression versus an Akashic record. And a record Mm, is going to show you all of the things you need to dive deep into. And the reader has to access that information from their conscious knowledge and their database. So if I don't understand emotion or heartache or loss, then I can't dive into that lesson for my client. I have to have a really deep understanding on that in order to release that and heal that, right? So my first past life actually lingered and caused me a lot of other problems because it was never properly healed and cleared. I was p- kind of pulled out of it by my journeyer. She was like, okay, you're getting sick, we're done, let's leave it. And that created a lot of problems. But the thing is, a lot of these people are going in blind. Imagine doing surgery blind. They can't see. Um, so what I found is I actually have better results reading the lives myself and going into the record myself and following it through and digging up all of like the patterns and the belief systems and the traumas and then releasing them appropriately. But I only point that out because so many people think that past life reading is so easy that we can just kind of like dive in and out. There's a lot of side effects for that. The reason we go in... I've had people like come to me, they, they say, for example, they said they saw a reader and they now have these horrible, like joint pain, stomach pain, ulcers, vomiting, and all this other stuff because somebody had opened a life and left it open. They never properly cleared the life. So you're repeating the life. It's a past life warp- vortex. You feel everything and you're reliving the whole experience and it's causing a drain on your energy. So I had to go in and properly clear it. So it's a, it's a big deal. And I think that research is absolutely necessary. I would even try to ask them if they have like a sample session where you could see how deep they went and how much they cleared and how much they kind of uncovered. Um, I do read people all over the world. I do, you know th- I do that on my platform all the time. I do I can do it through Zoom. Um, that's how I met Sebastian, <laughs> but it is something I would definitely be careful of. And reading anybody, anybody you let read you even if it's pulling cards, you're allowing them access to your energy. So if they don't have the greatest intentions or if they're not energetically like hygienic, it's like swapping spit with a homeless person. You got to be really careful about that kind of stuff. I get people all the time that are like, "Oh, I had this street reading and now I think I'm possessed." And sometimes that just happens. <laughs> you know, you just got to be really careful about who you let in. Um so be picky, ask questions, watch them through, see how Much of the session they are guiding and working through, ask questions. You know, if I would say, like, I love questions. My students are always allowed to ask questions. um, Because if you're not allowed to ask questions, it's a major red flag that somebody just wants you to believe the bullshit they're feeding you. And if they don't have an answer, do not let them do the thing, right? Don't let them work on you if they can't pull you through it. Treat it like surgery. You wouldn't let anybody work on you that can't explain what they're doing and how it's going to affect you.
0: Just because somebody has access to and is aware of spiritual technology does not mean they're a professional. And that's, you want to trust, if there's anything, trust your own voice first. I hesitate in saying that, though, because you may not if you're full of trauma and fear and you have your own stories. It's a little, it's a little bit tricky. But my this particular lifetime, my entire childhood into early adulthood, I had a number of people that wanted to read my life And I got to a point where I started laughing. I was like, okay, because they'd go to, to do any kind of reading. And they're like, I'm blocked. Like, I can't, like, you're a blank slate. I cannot see anything. Or they'd go and they go, I'm not allowed to, or I'm sorry, I can't do this. So I got to the point where I thought it was a running joke. Every time somebody would be like, Hey, can I read you? Or Hey, would you like a reading? I'm like, Oh, sure. And then like, like, what's this? And then like, they'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. It's been nice. Nice. So I talked to Jacenya about that. What did you tell me?
1: So I had the same experience when I was younger, and that's why I was a skeptic. Because people would just think, oh, nothing. We don't have anything. And I thought that was really frustrating. But what happens is people can only read. So it's it's kind of like if I wanted to teach you know, if, if I was trying to teach a five year old physics, there's a very specific way I have to do that. And if I'm not careful, they're not gonna understand a damn thing I'm saying. So We have to read people at our frequency and at our level. And if you are a very low vibrational reader, you will never understand a high vibrational person. The message, you just wouldn't be allowed into their energy. So a lot of very low vibrational readers face a lot of blocks when trying to connect. Um, If you've done the work and you feel really good about your energy and you're like tapping into spirit, they're just not getting in. They don't understand it. It's too high vibrational for their access. We naturally reject low vibrational energy as we raise our consciousness.
0: And I I didn't, to me, um, spiritual reality, particularly in this time, wasn't something I struggled with at all. It was, I dropped in with uh, rememberings or awareness around that. So I didn't, I wasn't skeptical of the craft. I just found it funny that they were unable to participate. Like. To me, these things are, most of them are self-evident truths, which I'm still remembering and still learning and learning how to, uh, one of the things that I'm having to learn now is how to be in humanity, um, which has been a trick for me. It's like learning how to integrate within humanity and then operate in my gifts because for most of my childhood, I turned them off because it, it was confusing for people and it like it felt like a block from being able to connect with other humans. So now it's like, all right, we'll turn that back on again, which has been fun. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Another
1: question that I thought I was
0: on. What are sort of your understandings or thoughts on past and future lives that are not on Earth? Well, that's fun.
1: Like. Um, That we have them. <laughs> I mean. So I know that this term is really like popping right now all over social media, but yeah, star seeds, (laughs) uh, star seeds (laughs) just mean you were not born of earth. And a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm a star seed. It means all this stuff. It doesn't mean anything except for that. You weren't born on earth. (laughs) And so you've had experiences outside of earth and that's very, very common. Souls are sometimes like trillions of years old. They're, we're supposed to be infinite. We do have situations where our energy has to be recycled for some reason and kind of like disrupted and reconstructed, but we are supposed to essentially be infinite. So if you're living with the mindset that your soul has only existed on earth, that would be a very limiting belief system. Some souls are born on earth and of earth. What percentage do you think? Very, very small. Yeah. Um, Spirit said that it's the smallest soul group on earth because it's the youngest planet yep. in, you know, in accumulation. But earthers are really interesting because they this is their home. So they evolve a lot faster than the rest of us and they're very overprotective of their home and we're all immigrants and they get all mad at us and they're like, stop trashing my home, stop trashing my planet. Um, and they're <laughs> often environmentalists and like really protective of Earth and nature, which is beautiful because we all really should be. I mean, we're here, right? We're borrowing these bodies, so we should be respectful of them. But Many it's, of the shaman. it's a very small percentage, which I think is interesting because everybody's talking about Star seas, like it's such an anomaly. Like, we literally, most of us are.
0: <laughs> well, not, and, and to me, it's not even an anomaly. It's just a human pattern of specialness, right? Yeah. It's another way to feel special, which part of the human experience. There's three illusions three illusions you have to surrender, you will surrender on your pathway to becoming fully conscious and aware. Surrendering the illusion of control, surrendering the illusion of specialness and or separateness, which are kind of variations of the same truth, and surrendering duality. And those are really hard. They're hard things to confront within a human lifetime. And surrendering the illusion of control is understanding clearly what you're in control of and what you're not in control of. Surrendering specialness is this idea that Somehow my suffering is special, my experience is special, my gifts are special. And and when I mean special, I'm referring to the egoic structure of specialness. In one sense, we all are special, but you only really understand that truth once you've surrendered the egoic structure of specialness. The other part of that, which I don't know if this has been your experience, but certainly when talking to beings that, that don't exist here in body, they have a really hard time with not understanding separateness like being separate from source, being separate from love is like, what in the fuck? How could you possibly, how do you even, how does that even happen? Right? In, in, in this experience, you can drop in and feel separateness from your origin, which is why it's a remembering. It's like remembering who you are, remembering God. So one of the, the last uh, kind of illusions to, uh, to surrender there is this idea of separation, that you were separate from love, you were separate from God. And then the last one, is usually duality, the idea of right and wrong, black and white, which is a really hard one because especially in three dimension, that seems to be the way we navigate the world and make sense of it, right? Everything is right or wrong, black or white, positive or negative, And um, it seems to be pervasive for long periods of, of uh, societal structure. But I've
1: noticed that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I've noticed that when I'm doing sessions on clients that a lot of the experiences on other dimensions and realms don't necessarily come through unless they're valuable for this experience. And I think that's really important for a lot of people on their journey because we get lost in our own imagination and in our own like astral wandering that we think that it's somehow a connection or a valid message. And the messages should be, again, very practical. So all of my healing is around, like, how do we become better versions of ourselves here in this experience? Which means I'm only getting lives that relate to this experience. So um, although they're out there, I do see more of, you know, lives that, like I said, created trauma or blocks, because that's what I go for. I go for how can we heal? How can we create change? How can I help these people, like, liberate themselves from their pain or their patterns? And a lot of times, like, if we think about the lesson in another dimension or realm, It could be something like, oh, it's your job to plant a flower. It's your job to experience, you know, happiness. It might be a whole different lesson completely, and it's just not in relation to the human experience. So we don't really see a lot of them, if that makes sense. But they are there. If, If they relate to this experience or this block, they do come through.
0: When they're useful.
1: When they're useful. There's a whole entire soul group that had a super traumatic, like, history and point of origin story and that always is very valid and that comes through for literally everybody in that soul group because they've suffered that experience at soul level and they're here they have symptoms from that so that's very true and valid and like there is another soul group that um has been kind of programmed to evolve very quickly on earth and they have a whole bunch of symptoms for that so like that would come through in the session and we would talk about all that stuff
0: Awesome. Well, I hope uh, I hope everybody has found this to be at least interesting, maybe informative and educational. Um, As you've listened to this conversation, if you've gone this far, it means something in you is at least interested in what you're hearing. And I would say pay attention to that interest. Stay curious and start asking questions. Right? Seek to understand truth. Make that your first agenda, and a lot of these things will begin to open up for you, and you'll begin to remember a lot of the things that that we were talking about here today. So, Jesenia, it was fantastic having you on. I'm looking forward to doing again uh, more of this in the future. Where can people find you?
1: Um, I'm really heavy on Facebook, uh, but also on Instagram, Soul Architect Jesenia. All my websites and stuff are also on there.
0: And you have a book creation, which you can find on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to uh, potentially do this again in the future.
1: Thank you.